we made it. We all made it, haven't we? Through this last week, um, planning, anticipation, family coming in, dinners to cook, shopping, wrapping, hiding presents from the kids, right? Okay, hiding presents from your husband, anybody out there, okay? And then not being able to find them, <laughs> okay? Um, overflowing joys, and for some of us, some grief and sadness. However, from last Sunday to this, our Messiah arrived. The greatest gift of all time. The, the gift we never forget. God decided to give us the gift of eternal life. And as we learned over these past weeks from Pastor, hi Noah, you coming up with me this morning? Come yeah. here, buddy. Okay. Well, hi. Go say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. <laughs> hey. There she is. Yeah. Hey, you know, this, this is Noah. Okay, there we go. There we go. Praise God. Hallelujah. If I could be that relaxed, we've got it made. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> A gift, right? When you love to have, yeah, you know, someday in heaven, I want to be running like that into Jesus' arms. Amen? Amen. Okay. So, from last Sunday to this, the Messiah arrived. The gift that is the greatest gift of all, the gift of eternal life. <clears throat> and in these last weeks from Pastor John, we learned that the gift was determined long before there was a town called Bethlehem, a garden called Eden, or a planet called Earth. A decision was made in eternity that God would send forth his son, born of a virgin, to redeem us all, no matter what our circumstances. This was and is the perfect gift for each of us. Jesus, his life, his death, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the promise of him coming again, all of it brought to you and bought for you. I would like to start this morning with all of us just taking a deep breath and think, pause for a few moments to contemplate and acknowledge and try to grasp the magnitude of this gift from our Heavenly Father. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment and think about that. Think about what does the babe in the manger mean to you? What has this last week from Christmas to New Year's Eve mean? And then I will close in prayer. So let's bow our heads together. Thank you. Almighty God, grant that the birth of your Son in the flesh redeems us from our old natures and sin so that we may receive him with joyous hearts and look forward to this coming new year, refreshed and ready to boldly live into the new light that shines in each of us. Father God, open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to the hearing of your word this day that it will give us spiritual 
fuel as we enter into the new year together. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. So friends, here we are, New Year's Eve morning. What a blessing to be together to worship as a faith family on this ending day of the year 2023. The closing chapter of the 2023 book of our lives and a day to joyfully wish each other the best of 2024. A year that will become a new manuscript for each of us. Pastor John graciously said to me that this Sunday's message could be whatever I was led to share and that it was going to be sort of a bridge Sunday, a bridge from previous sermon series to, to a new sermon series, a bridge from Advent and Christmas into the new year, a bridge from old challenges to new adventures, from past remembrances to new endeavors. Having to select a topic and then a title for this message caused me to reflect over this year and ask, what has impacted me in the year 2023. Self-reflection can sometimes be a bit unnerving and eye-opening at the same time. What has happened in the past 12 months to bring me closer to God and to Jesus? To fan the flames of the spirit within me, to give me strength when fear seeps in, to calm me in new situations to bring his light into the dark corners of life's troubles, and to foster joy. Those self-imposed questions and reflections led me, to led me to dive back into the notebook that I've used for various Bible studies this past year and into God's word. His truths for each of us led me to one word over and over and over again. The word that answered all of those questions of doubt and fear and yearning to be closer to God and to Jesus. One word, faith. The Bible gives us this precise and succinct definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the confidence in what is hoped for and the assurance of what we do not see. What do we hope for? We hope that God is trustworthy and honors his promises. We can be sure that his promises of salvation, eternal life, and the resurrected body will be ours someday based on who God is. And the second part of this definition, the second part of this verse acknowledges the issue that God is invisible. I always find it interesting to look at various Bible translations to help me clarify and better understand your scripture. And as a little side note, the YouVersion Bible app that I have on my phone does that very easily. I highly recommend downloading that, not only for this purpose, but daily devotions and all sorts of things. It might be a great help in January as you're prayer and fasting. You might consider using that app. But for this verse, these are a few of the other options. Now, faith is the confidence, the reality, the substance, the certainty in what is hoped for, and the assurance, the proof, the evidence, the conviction of what we do not see. Faith is a confident conviction 
that our God exists and that he will keep his promises. It is an immovable, unwavering certainty based on the reality of his word. God alone is the object of our faith. Faith is the means by which believers come to God and put their trust in him. The Bible is where we go to learn about the character of God so that we can have faith. It's where God reveals himself fully to his followers. Everything that we need to know about God is found here. It is accurate, in-depth picture of his nature. Pastor John's three Bible studies over this last year, Ephesians, 1 Peter, and Galatians, all unlocked new understandings for me about God's nature, care, and love. As I reviewed my notes from these studies, there were verses about faith that wove a connection between all three of these books of the Bible. Verses that impacted me in new ways. Verses that I want to share with you today. First, from Ephesians 1, verse 3, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Friends, I have to tell you, this one was a true revelation for me. Listen to this. Who has blessed us in Christ. And get this, with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Paul gushes forth with declarations of God's blessing. Paul is telling us the full resources of heaven are available to us through Christ. All of the conceivable gifts of redemption that Christians receive by being united with Jesus Christ and the truth that we have obtained a heavenly inheritance by faith, we have all that God desires for us. God desires us for everyone to love him, to choose to follow Jesus Christ, and to be born anew with the Holy Spirit. He created us to love us, and God's grace is free to all by faith. Further on in Ephesians, we see, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. Saved by grace through faith, not works. We cannot work our way to heaven, but faith works. The faith we have directs our steps to do the work, good works, that God has prepared for us to do. I want to pause for a minute. I want to think about the good works that we saw exhibited this morning in the slide from our Advent conspiracy. Good works exhibited to the world through that process. One commentary put it this way, grace through faith saves and that faith is manifested in works. Those who have true faith in Jesus Christ will be eager to do what is good, as it says in Titus 2.14. Paul is encouraging the Ephesians, and he is speaking to us, encouraging us to mature in our faith 
in order to live into our heavenly calling. In chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, Paul says, I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, the width, the height and depth of God's love, that the Messiah may dwell, I love that word, dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ wants to move in. He wants to set up house in your heart so that you can grow and mature on your faith journey. Those, the, that those hereditary roots go deep into your being and that through your personal relationship with Jesus, you begin to comprehend the length, the width, the height, and the depth of God's love for you. God's love is all-encompassing, far exceeding our ability to comprehend it. Paul uses this dimensional language to describe the love of Christ. He suggests the vastness of Christ's love, now, I've heard people say that you cannot fully realize, you cannot possibly get it, the vastness of the Grand Canyon until you are standing on the edge, actually looking in and ready to experience it. That vastness, I would contend, we would learn when we bask in God's love. We celebrate in his delight and rest in his faithfulness we can then begin to comprehend his love and enjoy his father-child relationship. By and through that relationship, our loving father is preparing us, and he does not want us to go into the world unprepared. This is why you must take up the armor of God. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like the armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled in readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith, and with it, you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. This is probably Paul's most figurative language passage he used the various Roman armor characteristics of the day to create a powerful visual effect. In every situation, take up the shield of faith. Now, these were no small shields. The Roman shield was the size of a door, okay, and it offered a blanket of protection. It was the first barrier against the enemy's attack. Our faith is our blanket of protection. When Satan tempts us with immediate gratification or the plague of doubt, faith is what recognizes the deceptiveness of his tactics and extinguishes those arrows. Faith is what extinguishes the fiery darts that are being thrown at you. Fear, doubt, discouragement, 
anxiety, lies, thinking that your situation will never improve. Those are fiery darts. Raise up your shield of faith. Faith is having complete trust in Jesus Christ. And stay close to Jesus and he will protect you. In 1 Peter, he, Peter, is writing to the believers who have been dispersed throughout the ancient world and were under intense persecution. And Peter says, seems, Peter seems to marvel at their believing and loving Christ without ever having seen him. You love him though you have not seen him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Through this passage, I came to a much better understanding that Christianity, our faith in Christ, the Son of God, is not a system or a philosophy. It's about trusting and loving Christ. Period. Peter had seen Jesus. He had lived with him. He had been taught by him. He saw him alive after having seen him dead. And Peter believes that faith and love, this concrete, this genuine, results in real rejoicing. A saving faith in Christ brings with it a joy which cannot be expressed. It is a joy beyond words. Peter saw that the choice to rejoice, even in the middle of their trials and their persecution, was an act of faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we too can choose to rejoice in the midst of our trials and our troubles. Joy flows from confidence, our faith in the Christ we love. When Paul wrote to the Galatian churches, he had, he, the, the, these are churches that he had had a hand in starting. He took a pretty strong tone with them. He had received a report that the churches in Galatia had fallen into error, that a group of Judaizers, now those were people that were requiring Jewish customs be brought back into the church as a condition for salvation, that they had gained influence within the Galatian churches. He had to reinforce the gospel of grace. This is a bit of a longer passage, but the night that we studied this, and in my notes, I had a big star next to this, okay? His final words hit me like I had never heard them before. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles now know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. I'm not putting that aside. If righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. He's imploring them, stop. By faith you are blessed. By the law you are cursed. He was telling them that Christ has redeemed you from the law. Remember that? Those that want to bring the law back into the church as a condition of God's grace are wrong. Because by the works of the law, no one would be justified. And then he softens his tone just a bit, and he goes on to remind them that the law was the babysitter until Christ arrived. The law was then our guardian until Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for you are all sons and daughters of God through faith, in Christ Jesus. Through Christ is absolute freedom from the law. As Pastor John put it, grace plus nothing. We are justified by faith, not the law. Paul's words are an encouragement for us to pursue a life of holiness, not in our own strength, but in the knowledge of God's empowering grace in our lives. So, What does this mean for our lives? What do these passages speak to us on this last day of 2023? As a faithful, loving, and active Christian, a person of Christ, we should be yearning to draw closer to him, hungry for his guidance in our lives, and eager to do good works. Christianity is not a Lone Ranger sport nor is it static. We are on a faith journey that needs to be fueled every day by being in the word, by study, by praise, by worship, and by prayer. Maturity of faith and spiritual growth occurs primarily in community with each other, iron sharpening iron. Each of us as persons of faith need to constantly ask, what am I doing to strengthen, to exercise, so to speak, my faith? I hope that in 2024, we will all be strengthened through Bible studies, a commitment to daily spiritual disciplines of prayer, reading the word, and listening to God's leading, possibly going on a mission trip, or finding a way to use your gifts through work locally through connecting with a life group here at Rolling Plains, or maybe even starting one. Maturity of faith does not just happen. It must be nurtured. Your faith is a journey of a lifetime. And we are reminded today of the choice to rejoice, as just as Peter saw. Perseverance in faith is to recognize the presence of troubles in our lives while walking in holiness and hope as people of faith. 
There is no better witness to the world than at our own personal times of tribulation, hardship, or distress that we shine his light into the world and exhibit a joy beyond words, a joy full of glory. And oh, those poor Galatians. Paul was getting after them, and just as those same words are getting after us today. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Did Christ die for nothing? I say not. Grace through faith is the free gift from God, a commitment to Christ brings, and with that also results in a life by walking in the Spirit. So here are a couple of closing thoughts, and then we're going to land the plane. <laughs> faith is more than just intellectual knowledge or believing. Faith is something that you do. It is active, not passive. Real faith involves making a commitment to trust, not just to believe in Jesus. As it said in Ephesians, for it is by grace we have been saved through faith. If you are struggling to make sense of your relationship with Jesus, if you are wanting it to be more, if you are desiring to be more connected, could it be that you're not putting your faith into practice? The Bible says in James chapter 2, Anyone who doesn't breathe is dead. And faith that doesn't act, work, or move is just as dead. You see, real faith shows up in your lifestyle. Your faith should change you and the things that you do. So, can we today show others what our faith is in Jesus how can we do that? How can we serve them, support them, encourage them, and even show them how your faith is changing you? Here's a few action steps. Reflect on how God has worked in your life in 2023 and be thankful. So many things happened this last year in our personal lives, in our church life. Reflect on those today and be thankful. Make a resolution for spiritual growth, for maturity in 2024, and be for, looking forward to that. In this new year, there may be, and there are going to be, many, many opportunities for study and mission work offered here at Rolling Plains. Take advantage of one or two or many of those as you grow and mature in your faith in 2024. And last, pray for our church, our pastor, and our leaders and be encouraging. There is no better time than right now to take a stand for Jesus Christ and to demonstrate your faith. Let faith be your fuel for the new year. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you today, the, your words ringing in our ears, encouraging us, strengthening us, pricking our hearts to ask those hard questions sometimes. How can I draw closer to you? Lord, tell me. Reach into my heart. Set up house in there. 
so that I may feel that love each and every day. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we honor you. We thank you for this day. We lift this all in your precious son's name. Amen. A little over two years ago, um, I started coming here. It was a really tough time. 